Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my discussion about Bungie's silence. I feel like they've been incredibly and unnaturally quiet about the annual pass in the Black Armory. We are one week away at the time I'm recording this. We are one week away. It's November 27th from the delivery of the Black Armory, which is the first piece of the annual pass. And there has been almost no promotion or marketing of it, which is out of step for Bungie. I theorize that the Activision call, where they said they were unhappy with how Destiny 2 had gone, and the new approach to the annual pass monetization, I theorize those two things combined into a new strategy for marketing. I feel like Bungie decided, we're going to have to change the game here. We're going to have to navigate this differently and I believe that what we're going to see uh, both today and in the coming weeks is a very strong push for pre-order bonuses or new things kind of injected into the Black Armory the annual pass that's going to be kind of the goal they want this to be almost like a an impulse buy an urgency is going to be woven into the next week I think that's my theory we're going to move to question and answer if you're listening to this on iTunes Google Play Spotify or you're watching on YouTube feel free to always tune in live twitch.tv slash say no to rage or follow me on Twitter at say no to rage and you guys can use the Frickmas command in chat we have announced the seven days of Frickmas a seven night special event dates and times to be announced but you can be a part of the event by rewriting the seven Christmas carols in that tweet with Destiny lyrics, and I'll use those on the stream. So you might get featured on one of those Merry Frickmas celebrations. All right, here we go. Sir Pentius with the first question. What are you expecting to see from the Black Army? For example, new weapons in their place within the meta. I'm not going to make a lot of predictions here because they haven't given us a ton of information. They've given us bullet points about there's a new activity, there's you know a new raid layer, there's new pinnacle weapons to chase, there's new things to go and get. So they're... they're there's no real benefit for me to speculate. So I'm going to gloss over any questions like this. What are you expecting? What are you wanting to see? I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on questions like this because it doesn't really benefit us and we don't know enough to, for me to go into any real speculation. Uh, do you expect to see a new raid layer in the Black Armory? That's already been established on their bullet points and their announcements. Yes, there will be a raid layer. Uh, Train2929, do you think Zura is going to start offering new Forsaken Exotics with the new season? I don't think so. I think for the time being, Zer's role is to not sell us coveted exotics, but old and established exotics, and the main reason you're going to go to him each week is probably for the faded Ingram, hoping to get a good role, maybe on a pair of Orpheus rigs, or something like that, and then give you the opportunity to maybe each week, like the one week I did, he was selling Skullfort, and it was a much better role than the one out of the collection, and then... I bought that. So I think that's going to be his role for now. He's not meant to be an injection of exotics. And I know people in chat are saying he should have all the exotics. Here's here's my pushback. If the patch eventually works, because right now it doesn't seem to be working, they're supposed to be giving us a better injection of exotics. You're supposed to be getting uh, exotics on a more uh, regular interval. And that's not been happening. So... If that patch starts to work as it's intended, you're not really going to want Zer. Uh, you're not going to want Zer selling exotics. Now, I've said before, I think he should sell frames through bounties. Like, you do a bounty and you get an exotic frame. And then the next week, you get a mission. So after you get the frame, you know, you do the bounty, you get a frame. The next week, that opens a mission. You do the mission, you get the gun. And then there's a mystery that you have to solve. And that mystery gives you the catalyst. Um, I think that 
would be a great way to utilize Zer, so he can inject the game with with exotics on a pretty regular basis. But it's stretched out and it's more quest driven uh, and unique to him. I don't think he should just be showing up and be like, "Hey, um, I'm selling the 1K voices, not the 1K voices, but you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I'm selling a highly coveted exotic. The what's the one for the the, the Titan that everybody wants? The the one for the Sentinel." You know, he's just selling these really highly coveted ones. Like, I really, really want shards of Galanor, but I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't want to buy shards of Galanor from Zur. I want it to drop in the game. I just think that's way more exciting than, you know. And by the way, people are gonna be like, how are you Genji right now? And just constantly throwing. Uh, I'm built for double knives and fast knives regeneration, and Brawler is active, so I'm getting my knives back. Stupid fast. Yeah, you're you're so Furiosa. Yeah, everybody wants that. I don't want to buy exotics like that. I want to get them in the game. I don't know. When I got the Gwissin vest, just doing some gambit, I was kind of cool. Take away that excitement if he's freaking just selling them all the time. I don't know. Now, to Eugene's point, my excitement for exotics dropping is gone. Sure, the drop rate being where it is, it doesn't function properly as an exciting factor. It doesn't it doesn't bring what it's supposed to bring. And I think that's why I prefaced all of this by saying, if they can get the patch to work, then I don't think they need to do anything with Zur with respect to saying, oh, we better make sure he sells the exotics because you should be able to just grind each week and eventually you know, slowly get them to drop over time instead of being like, well, I'm so sick of this, I can't get it. Oh, thankfully, Zur is selling it. Uh, but again, the patch needs to work. It doesn't seem to be working quite yet. A lot of people are still getting uh, a ridiculous amount of dupes, and that needs to be addressed. Next question, Jack Attack. With the new season, will we get new armor from Crucible and Vanguard? That has not been addressed. Again, we don't really know. The new season's bringing a reset of everything, and I assume that would mean then that, you know, you're going to go over to see the Drifter, and he's going to have maybe not the bygones maybe that's why the drop rate's been so low slow and low for parcel maybe parcel's going to be a reset reward from him with a great role that'll make me really happy and unfortunately i'll have to grind gambit which i don't like doing i'm not a huge fan of gambit if you're familiar with my content you know i'm not a huge fan of gambit so maybe i don't know there i can't answer this definitively it'd be nice if they do they kind of refresh everything uh davy baby which, if any old weapon, would you be most excited coming to D2 from D1? The Icebreaker, uh, the last word. I know people are really wanting uh, Icebreaker to make a return. I was never really a big fan of the Icebreaker. Uh, I would say... You know what I would love to come back is the Murmur. It's not an exotic, but I would love the Murmur to come back. I thought the Murmur was very cool, man. It was a fusion. You could switch the uh, you could switch the element on it. Um, I don't know. I thought it was a neat weapon. Fusion rifles need a ton of help. I, you know, the more I look at that fusion rifle that they're adding uh, as a pinnacle piece of gear, I just don't think that thing's going to get a whole lot of use. If at its best, you kind of have to, um, you have to use it behind a rally barricade or in a Luna faction rift because that keeps the battery full. I don't know. I would I would love to see the murmur come back. I thought that was a dope weapon. And that'd be a great way for them to bring back like a cool quest line for it. Give it a unique perk, make it a pinnacle weapon, and then make kind of couple that with some fusion focus. Because they, they're clearly trying to, to pivot us away from the meta, right? An auto rifle, a fusion rifle, and a grenade launcher. Folks in PvP might say, well, that is the meta, but 
I think Season of the Outlaw was really meant to be hand cannons and shotguns, and as True Vanguard was good to point out on, on Twitter when he was interacting with gigs, it really is dominated by hand cannons and shotguns with respect to usage. That's generally what we're seeing showing up uh, right now is a heavy amount of those, and I think that's what they wanted the Season of the Outlaw to uh, to be. So I've actually never melted him before immunity. That's the first time I've ever managed to pull that off. That was pretty dope. The Ham Samo or Samo. Do you think Bungie not advertising Black Armory is to avoid building too much hype, to avoid massive disappointments like Curse of Osiris? Here's the thing, okay? I I don't think Bungie is beyond learning lessons, right? But but I do think marketing strategies work even in the wake of disappointment. Even in the wake of disappointment, we got excited about Warmind. We got excited about Warmind. We watched those trailers. We saw those reveals, man. We got pumped. We freaked out when we watched that video. We're like, I said it was a worm, and you guys said it was a catch crashing. And I was like, that's not a ship. That's a worm. Like, we got excited. You know what I mean? We we have the memory of the short-term memory of a goldfish. Like, we get excited no matter what. So I don't think they suddenly were like, whoa, we better not really push, you know, marketing and promotions. We better not do that. We better we better tone it back. I don't know. Now, somebody told me that Anon the Nine, the guy who lets all the leaks out on Reddit, and he does seem to have inside information, he said about a month ago that the marketing and everything coming forward was going to be very different for the annual pass. Now, again, that still could be based on what I said. Activision could have let Bungie know, listen, we're not thrilled with the sales. It's not like Bungie was like on pins and needles until that earnings call and they were like, oh my gosh, Activision's not pleased with Destiny 2. Like, they weren't taken surprised by that. They knew that was coming. They knew that was coming and I think they probably planned accordingly. They probably said, listen, this whole marketing trickle we're doing right now, shelve all that. We got to focus all of our energies on getting people to buy, getting people to buy the annual pass and we're really going to have to jam things into the Black Armory, just like they did with Rise of Iron with those weird Suros pre-order bonuses that ended up being basically nothing worthwhile. That's that's what I think. So, avoiding too much hype, I'm not going to say that's not it. I'm not going to say definitively that's not it. I just think they have traditionally never done that. Every time they have something to talk about, they trickle it out and they get us pumped and it works every single time. Now, someone might say, well, this is different deliverable. Since it's different deliverable, it's a different strategy, different strategy because it's a different amount of content. It's a different style of delivery on the content. Okay, you might be right. Yeah, maybe they looked at it and said, we can't promote this the way we did Osiris. We can't promote this the way we did Warmind because it's not even remotely the same style of deliverable. But to me, that doesn't really jive with what they did. You think Bungie was in the dark about the substantive nature of Curse of Osiris? And then it got delivered and they're like, oh man, it's not very good. They knew it wasn't a lot of content and they still promoted the frick out of it. They had a whole stream about the Infinite Forest for crying out loud. (laughs) They had a whole stream about the Infinite Forest. The Infinite Forest was nothing. If you look at Curse of Osiris and the role that the Infinite Forest played, it was freaking nothing. It was zero. It was in the adventures and the story and then it was over. Why would you even do a stream about it? You know what I'm saying? Maybe they learned their lesson. Maybe. 
maybe but the general rule of thumb for sales you don't necessarily have to be hyping you just have to be making people aware so many people are not even aware or have forgotten about the annual pass in the black armory just because they haven't even been talking about it it just seems strange it just seems strange even if they're not hyping they need to be informing and they haven't been doing that arctic spartan I know this doesn't have much to do with Bungie being silent, but do you think they could reuse Escalation Protocol for the Dawning like they reused Infinite Force? Oh, 100%. Yes, they could. Oh, yeah. Like, if if you think in the realm of content that's loopable, Escalation Protocol is fun, especially when there's a lot of people there. Especially when there's a lot of people there. It is a freaking blast. And... They could 100% reuse that the way they reuse the infinite force. I thought the haunted forest was awesome. They just needed to have weapon drops inside. There needed to be there needed to be weapon drops inside so I could keep running it for different roles. Random roles is your friend, Bungie. It is your friend. Instead of making that auto rifle like a grind and then you purchase it from Amanda Holiday, she could have had that version. But what if there was like a pinnacle curated role with a unique perk? See what I'm saying? And then you had to grind over and over and over again, hoping to get that version to drop inside the Haunted Forest. People would have grinded the frick out of it. It was actually, I thought the Haunted Forest was really, really fun. It was unique. If you got your helmet all the way leveled up and you had like the heavy drops and the invulnerability while you were in the air. I mean, it was a very unique style of content you could play in a really interesting way. I mean, you could literally jump in front of those invincible knights and let them hit you and tank it because you were basically invincible. It was really cool. And... Again, again, Bungie's really good with Destiny 2. This has been the pattern. They throw out a concept, and it lacks depth. It just lacks depth. You're like, well, this is a great concept. There's no depth. So Haunted Forest, great concept, cool idea. There was a reason to grind it, but the depth wasn't there. Depth just takes time. And I think with with more and more time, they can loop back to things like Escalation Protocol, the Infinite Forest, Haunted Forest, things of that nature. And they can say, all right, we're going to make these things more exciting. We're going to give you a reason to go grind these things because presently, you know, there's not. Escalation Protocol was pretty solvent and pretty popular in Forsaken because people slowly realized you know, the EP shotgun is the strongest weapon in the game, and since they adjusted the drops to increase rate over time of not getting it, that made people a little more likely, I think, to kind of go in there and try their hand at it. BJB09. How much have they buffed exotic drops? I haven't gotten a sense from the patch. Okay, I'm going to answer your question with a frustration and a bit of a rant. They're just super bad about giving us numbers and I don't know why I think sometimes they do not want to give us numbers I think there's two reasons they don't want to give us numbers okay the first reason on one end of the spectrum sometimes a number gives a false impression on the negative you're like the frick that's such a small percentage what that's nothing and then everybody gets angry at a, at, a, at, a, at a change that might actually be good, but the perception of the community and the dialogue and the narrative that, 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 that develops on Reddit or the dialogue that develops on Twitter or whatever, or Twitch, becomes, eh, it's a low percentage. What the heck? Yeah. And nobody even tries to use those items. The other thing that can happen in the other direction is people see a number and they think, oh my gosh, there's going to be a huge damage increase for these weapon types for this for this uh, this specific weapon and then that narrative spreads and then people try it and they're like 
This doesn't seem that strong. Man, we really thought this was going to be a whole lot stronger. So that's one of the reasons I think they avoid giving us numbers. I don't agree with this, by the way. I'm just giving you what I think their thought process is. I think when they look at the community and the way we can run with narratives, the way we can kind of sometimes... I'm not saying this is our fault, by the way, but sometimes we can misconstrue things or we misread things or whatever. I've been known to do that. I've read something and thought something, and then we go back and reread it carefully, and we're like, oh, no, that actually doesn't apply in this scenario. Look at the wording they use. It only applies in this scenario. Whatever, etc. And so that's why I think they avoid those numbers. Now, I, I personally think they should give us numbers. I didn't appreciate how Dylan got cheeky on Twitter when we were all like, well, how much did you buff swords? How much did you buff fusion rifles? Could you give us some numbers? That same day that I was saying that on stream and the community was saying that here in chat and I even saw a couple Reddit posts about why not just give us the numbers of the buffs. He retweeted somebody that said something about the malfeasance buff. It was like, just so everybody knows, the malfeasance does XYZ this fast now. And he was like, here's a, here's a number for you. And I was like, there's no reason to get cheeky. Like, we're asking for something that I think is totally reasonable. It's totally reasonable to ask for those numbers. You made something stronger? By how much? Give us a test. Here's what this weapon was previously doing to a Lost Sector boss. You can see the damage numbers here. Uh, here is what it does now. And then it was like, oh, okay, that's pretty nice. I can see how that would be useful. I could see using that against Shirochi or whatever the frick, like wherever you're planning on using the item. Like, informing your player base isn't, especially if you're the community managers, I, I don't understand why that would be sort of like bristled at. Like, oh, here's the here's numbers for you, like being cute about it. I, I, that to me doesn't make any sense. You're the go-between between Bungie and us, and we're saying, hey, it'd be really nice if we get some numbers, rather than kind of low-key, very low-key, mocking that request, maybe speak to why we don't get numbers? You know? Maybe that? Maybe actually answer us in, in, in a way that is communicatory and not um, you know disingenuous I don't know um, now again somebody in chat says maybe that's his own frustration with not being able to give those numbers bubbling up right like kind of getting tired of getting asked like when are we going to get this when are we going to get this when are we going to get this and like for frick's sake stop asking right your kids do that are we there yet are we there yet are we there yet it's like no stop asking like I can understand that I don't think that justifies the response though I think you could at least say, at this time, we just don't feel giving out the numbers is helpful, and here's our thought process as to why. I don't know. And we shouldn't rely on Reddit to test things. If you're going to tell me you buff something, I would just like to know how much. Mac, 2099. My team has started having one person run Sniper, mainly to deal with the Cabal turrets, Vex Cyclops, Hive Shriekers, to take them out before the team gets close to collect moats. Your thoughts on this, and what else besides damage buff could help Snipers and Fusions? Well, okay. So, Snipers look really, really good in Crucible. I'm sorry. In Gambit. Snipers look really good in Gambit until you go up against a weapon that is out of your league. Right? So, 1K Voices or the Queensbreaker, okay? Now, 1K Voices charge time might give a sniper an opportunity, but given 
the trade nature of what's going to probably happen if you do land the shot. They're probably going to get off their shot. Uh, given the ease of use of the 1K, you can pre-fire with wall hacks anyway and shorten that window of opportunity for the sniper. Snipers start to get harder to justify. Now, what you're saying, yeah, if you're struggling with the Cyclops, Cabal Turrets, and the Shriekers, then sure, use a sniper. I think good communication and team shotting gets the job done, honestly. If you say, we got a Shrieker on the right, and everybody gets out their primaries, and you're using pulses and hand cannons, you'll make light work of them. You will make light work of those items, and I just don't know if snipers really get the job done. High rate of fire shotguns, especially, especially, the Ikelos shotgun, are just undeniably sort of the best in class right now it's hard it's really hard to put them away soon as you do you feel weaker right I was running around the end of a, of a gambit match just a little bit ago and I couldn't get any greens for my shotgun and just not having those greens made me feel weak as soon as I was close and there were some big guys out well that same exact scenario is going to happen if I'm running a sniper I'm going to get close to these guys and I'm not going to have my shotgun for the up-close barrel stuffing and I'm going to have to manage them with my kinetic or my heavy or a grenade or something. You're going to be in the same scenario. Now, you're dividing and conquering, right? So maybe what I'm saying isn't necessarily applicable because you're going to stay back with your sniper rifle. Yeah. You're relying on your team then and you're kind of not up there and engaging. I feel like everybody killing, banking, and boomeranging back to bank to get to 25, 50, and 75 as fast as freaking possible. It's just such a tried and true strategy. If you deviate to that sniper, I would just want to watch and compare as a team. Are you still consistently beating teams of 25 and 50? If you're still consistently uh, beating teams of 25 and 50, and this is alleviating pain for your team, then it sounds like a good strategy to me. Zeta416, hey Lono, do you think Bungie is being hush-hush about Black Armory because they have some big surprises up their sleeves? Or maybe another reason. If there's surprises, I believe they're going to be surprises in the realm of what I said. They're going to try to motivate an impulse buy purchase. They're really going to try and be like, if you've not bit the bullet, you know, and gotten the annual pass yet, you're going to want to, because you're going to get X, Y, and Z, right? I don't think the next week is going to be all about addressing those of us that play every day or addressing those of us who have celebrated Forsaken or, or you know, are, and are thrilled with how things have come. Uh, I think it's going to be more about saying to the people that you're on the fence. Look, you can't buy it separate. We're going to give you plenty of reasons to bite the bullet right now and drop the 30 bucks. That's what I think is going to be happening. I think I think they basically looked at the you know again the Activision call and the new approach the new apo- approach for content trickle and they said we got to do something we got to change this we we need to get people to buy this annual pass it's just like Reaper of Souls Reaper of Souls brought Diablo back on the map but then the next DLC got canceled Reaper didn't get a chance to prove itself yet Look, if, if whoever canceled the second DLC for Diablo 3 could have seen into the future, you better believe, you better believe that they would have said, uh, we should probably keep this thing on the docket. We should probably not cancel this DLC. 
and but they couldn't see into the future. So with the success of Forsaken, the reason the reason I think that Bungie employees were so quick to defend the company and their drive to improve the game is because they know where the game can go now. They see the projections for their development cycles and the content they can deliver, and I think they're confident that things are going to continue to get better. Just like the team who worked on Reaper of Souls was sort of gutted when they were told no, second DLC is canceled. They were like, look at what we're capable of now. Look at what we can build on. And they weren't given that opportunity. So, Navy Penguin with 32 months of subs. Thanks, Lono. Love your stream uh, and all the other content you create. Keep it up. Uh, keep going, Beast Mode. Thank you very much. That's a long time to be subbed to me. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Next question. RT Mayday with a little peek at the new Pinnacle weapons. What cool idea for Pinnacle would you have? Weapon type and perks. Well, I loved the auto rifle. It's kind of similar to things I've talked about because um, we said, you know, they could do other iterations of Desperado. The rate of fire increasing with Rampage is a beautiful idea. Um, it's a beautiful idea. But uh, my concern is only is it going to be viable without a rally barricade? Is it going to be viable without. Um, without a Luna faction rift, you know, because, you know, how's the reload going to be on it? Is it going to be manageable? Are you going to be able to maintain the three times rampage? Here's my other question. If you reload it and you still have three times rampage, do you get that fire rate? You know, is it immediately at that fire rate? I would probably think yes. I would probably think yes. So that, that would be my question then is how viable is it in just normal combat? Can you keep that Rampage 3 going? And if you can, yeah, I mean, people are saying War Rig. People are already thinking up cool builds to do with that. Now, as far as thinking up my own perk, I've always thought it would be cool to have a perk called the Gambler where after you get um, a headshot kill, you can reload and gamble, and that headshot kill has the potential to reload your entire clip with the damage buff of like let's say it's at the level of like a times three rampage like about as much as Bungie's willing to give us inside of pve content right rampage three anything beyond rampage three could get a little ludicrous right we don't want to get into the theater of the absurd where your primary weapon is just stupidly strong and nothing is challenging right as i just continued to genji everything with brawler uh and ophidius faith <laughs> way of a thousand cuts is is basically stupidly fun with solar burn and uh brawler on So you don't want it to be absurd, but what you could do is you could say, okay, Gambler would be that headshot kill procs a damage buff of like a decent amount of damage, right? It's a decent amount of damage. And you could keep shooting. You could basically keep shooting that clip and empty it and be guaranteed that damage buff for the rest of the clip, right? The rest of the magazine, you empty it and you're like, this is going to give me a certain amount of damage. Or you could reload and gamble and say, well, I'm going to try, uh, I'm going to try and get the bigger buff. And when you reload, there's a potential to get less or more than the standard buff. Gambler could be a pretty cool one, uh, you know, and then there, I mean, there's, there's all kind of other perks you could come up with like that, that would relate to reloading and damage. Cause those are generally the things that players want to manipulate the most. So something like gambler, I think could be, uh, could be pretty fun, be pretty fun. I think is that a is that my 600? Yeah, rangefinder genesis uh man that'd be great if it had uh 
spike nades for a boss or if it had proximity that could be a pretty good roll i like the fire rate on that thing that thing fires um it, it feels really nice at the 150 i don't know the major differences between them all but the one time i used it i thought it was pretty cool And there will be maintenance in about 20 minutes, but we're going to keep doing Q&A regardless, even if we get kicked out. Novahand says, Hey Lono, do you think Bungie has remained largely silent about next week's DLC to avoid the type of response Chris Osiris got? Uh, the content may not warrant a big enough buildup. Yeah, we basically already had this question. So I've kind of already addressed this. I, I don't think that's it. That's plausible, though. I'll grant you that. It's definitely plausible. 100% plausible that they could be saying, well, we don't want to get people too excited, so we better, you know, we better dial it back. Um, that is a plausible explanation. However, I think it's more likely, it's more likely the Activision call, the new structure for the annual pass, is placing a huge emphasis on the front door being the Black Armory, and they restructured whatever plan they had. This is unusual for Bungie. Even Bungie knows that the Festival of the Lost isn't a significant deliverable of content, and yet they still promote it with trailers and, and teasers and leaks and stuff. Like, right? Like, even that, even that gets more treatment than the Black Armory has. Billy Schultz, in your opinion, where can Bungie go with this next major DLC drop in the September release? Okay, so next year, September 2019, I have theorized many times over that I believe they are going to give us they are going to give us the Taken Queen. We know we are going back to the Dreadnought. That is not in question. Confirmed by Luke Smith when he said the Light of the Traveler hits everything in the order of the DLC deliverables. And the Light of the Traveler hits Mercury, then Mars, then the Reef, and then the Dreadnought. That's the order of the DLC. It hit Mercury, we got Curse of Osiris. Then it hit Mars, we got Warmind. Then it hit the Reef, we got Forsaken. Then it hits the Dreadnought. We're going back to the Dreadnought. Savathun is everywhere. She is all over the content, constantly being hinted at. And I believe she's ascending to the Hive Throne or has ascended to the Hive Throne. Will take over the Dreadnought and the Taken, and we will have to fight the Taken Queen. I think it's a win with respect to marketing. They br- all they need to do is bring back Eris Morn, and she says the words that you know the Taken Queen at some point. Then I think you're 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 dead set on people being like really really freaking excited, right? They marketed. They marketed Forsaken with the death of a hero, you know, and they'll market the the Taken Queen with the emergence of a of a of a huge huge antagonist, right? We were angry, we were angry at the Barons, and we were angry at uh, oh yeah, I'm freaking blanking on his name right now. Uh, Uldren, Uldren Sov. We were angry at Uldren and the Barons, but there's a big difference between that and when someone like freaking Oryx shows up. Oryx is still to this day the coolest looking antagonist in the history of Destiny. He's awesome. His scenes are awesome, the way he kind of floats around with his wings and what he did and said and how, you know, how everything took place. I just, man, and the fights with him, they just did a stellar job. It is still her job, and I could see them going back to a very similar uh, style of 
this is a big, huge threat. We, you know, we're going to have to work together on this. And then Destiny 3's ethos and setting will be the ancient foe of the Traveler. They've established those triangle ships are coming back. I don't think that's going to be in any of the DLC for Destiny 2. I think that's planned. Uh, that's planned for the setting for Destiny 3. So... Ifaru, do you think they will ever open up any of the old D1 planets and areas for gameplay at this point? Given the final Thunderlord mission, it's clearly possible, but do you think Bungie would see that as going backward instead of forward? The community has clamored for this to be an option, and some have even wanted to open up the old raids as well. That being said, are they too far out to do so? Makes sense now. I'll tell you right now what I think they're going to do. If I'm correct about the Taken Queen, then your annual pass... For the final year of Destiny 2, your annual pass that begins in December of 2019 and goes into 2020, that annual pass will be the old raids. That's what they'll do. We'll go each annual pass will go back to a planet, right? And there'll be that raid will be there. New the content, everything will be kind of like dressed up again. You know, or maybe we use the infinite forest to do it, so it's a simulation, so they can have an excuse to change the weapons and the fights, and you know, put random rolls, etc. You know, take the current meta of Destiny 2 system and kind of inject it into that old stuff. That's what I think they're gonna do. I think they're holding those planets and those raids in their pocket, and that's when they're gonna use them. Why would they do that? Well, because the required bandwidth for creating that that annual pass content would be significantly lower because a lot of that stuff already exists it'd be a whole lot faster so please know new stuff only listen if you give me the choice between scant raid layers and annual pass content that's more about like chasing loot if you give me the choice between that and going back to the old planets and the old raids you're going to get outvoted by pretty much everybody in the community because we know we know that, you know, Penumbra and, you know, Joker's Wild and the Black Armory aren't going to be significant injections of content. They're not going to be new destinations, right? So if we can go back to old destinations and old raids, I, I think the community is going to pick that every single time. Hand over fist, no contest, no contest what people would pick. If you say, okay, what we gave you last annual pass, this is going to be, you know, a little bit of a reskin, but it's going to be more stuff. I think people are going to be like, give it to me. Let me run Wrath of the Machine on PC. Let me run Vogue on PC. You know. Let me get my Fatebringer. Let me get those old weapons. You know. And dress them up to make them a little bit cooler. Because obviously we already have, you know, guns and stuff like that in the game. Buzz Bounce. Do you think Destiny as a franchise tends to be held to a higher standard of content in terms of quality, uh, quantity and quality compared to other games, especially by people outside of its community? Well, here's what I, here's what I think is happening. I think, I think Bungie's in a similar, in a similar situation to Blizzard. To a certain extent, I'm kind of happy that Blizzard is kind of going through what they're going through, a shift in priority clearly acknowledging the vibrancy and the size of the mobile market and, you know it's frustrating their player base because their player base is is the vocal player base is largely you know pc there's a huge potential and existing player base in markets where mobile is very popular okay 
I think Bungie's in a similar situation. They establish their renown and their prestige and what they're known for and their fan base centered around the emergence of Halo. And I think Halo turned people into serious gamers. Similar thing happened with Call of Duty. Call of Duty was like the entry point for a lot of people into being a more serious and more constant gamer. And this obviously led to some of the franchise struggles for Call of Duty was that they wanted things to be new and fresh because they wanted to pull in a new audience, but they also had to make sure the existing audience was happy. You know, Halo went through similar struggles as they tried to iterate on the franchise and then, you know, Bungie wanted to move on from that because I think they felt they felt the same pain in reality kind of closing in on them that closed in on Call of Duty was we kind of want to stretch our wings and do something bigger than this and we want to be multi-platform and it just didn't work out. And, you know, Call of Duty tried all kind of different things like running on walls and all sorts of things. So if you if you think of it in that respect that you know Bungie has earned that reputation it's kind of like Blizzard saying we're doing a mobile game and everybody gets really freaking angry it's because of the journey that brought them here the journey that brought Bungie here they've established that they deliver greatness you know I it, it, no matter what you want to say about Destiny 1 it was troubled and struggled but it was a success it was an undeniable success. To this day, Destiny 2 is a, it's an anomaly. It doesn't make sense. Destiny 2 shouldn't have the player base that it has. It shouldn't be maintaining, you know, millions of players a day. It just shouldn't. It had a it had a it had a troubled it had a troubled launch. It didn't do well. It, you know, it struggled. Its player base was upset. Its its sales and player engagement weren't where you would expect it to be after the huge marketing push and the sequel, you know, to a troubled but successful franchise from one of the biggest and most well-known developers in the history of games. So, people expect greatness. Now, you're saying, you know, people outside the community, I think people just like to hate on the winner. They like to hate on the big guy. People like to hate on every big title. People hate on Fortnite. It's a kid's game. It's stupid. It sucks. It's garbage. You know, people hate on... People hated on Halo. People hated on Call of Duty. It's just kind of the nature of the business. Of, you know, we're going to hate the guy at the top. You know, everybody hates the Yankees. <laughs> kind of a thing. That might be justified, though. <laughs> but no offense to Yankees fans. Next question from Alpha. What are your expectations for Black Armory content-wise? How long do you think it'll keep you playing for? I just don't have expectations because they haven't said enough. I, you know, if it, if there's a new power level grind, because there might, it looks like there might be, there's that. And then, uh, if there's really cool guns in grindable content, like when I was grinding for a Warden's Law. Grinding for a Warden's Law was exciting. There's that element of the RNG, it's loopable, you get fast at it, you're looking for that specific, you know, role, and... That's the only problem with pinnacle weapons as a grind is that is an investment grind, not an RNG grind. And that has a feeling more of a sigh of I'm done instead of a shout of elation, right? Those are different emotions. 
you know, it's a, it's a good emotion to finally get to your destination. You get out of the car, you're like, huh, you stretch, you're happy, you're glad to be there, right? That's a different feeling than like a surprise visit from your relative that gets you really excited. Like you haven't seen your brother in six months. He comes to visit you and surprises you. You're like, oh my gosh. Like, you know, it's, it's, this, it's this feeling of elation. Both are good emotions. Both are good feelings. But if that's all we get this season, if that's all we get the chase, that's not as exciting as being like, oh, there's new pinnacle versions of guns. There's new perks. There's new roles to chase. And then you have that RNG elation and celebration when you finally get the role you want or you finally get the you know the perks that you want so back 2099 with black armory release almost here would you, uh what would be another weapon type you would like to see either reintroduced or uh, something new i really feel like bows i really like the feel of bows and think they were a great addition I think bows just struggle in PvE. I mean, bows are cool. They're just unnecessary. It's just like submachine guns are cool. And you use them in PvE and they feel unnecessary and kind of stupid. Bows can be good in PvE. I'm not saying they're terrible. Uh, Submachine guns can be good in PvE. But they feel unnecessary. They don't feel like they turn the tide of anything. It's when you put on a high rate of fire shotgun or a really crispy hand cannon or the Thunderlord, you're like, hey, wow, whoa, this is good. This is a good weapon. This is this get this does good things for me. You know what I mean? You put on a bow, you're like, hey, neat, I'm Robin Hood. And then somebody next to you is just kind of like, why? <laughs> you know, that, that, that gif of Ryan Reynolds is like thinking and he's like, why you know that gif that people use on twitter that's my response to smgs and yeah we'll do the heroic adventures you know smgs and bows just kind of like why what's the point (laughs) what's the reason for it so i i honestly don't know what the solution is now somebody's saying they're probably the best weapon type for high score nightfalls I'll give you that. They're nice for slow walking content if the burn matches and you have a nice bow. They do have a contextual, you know, footing in some places. But you're asking me what new weapon types would I like to see? I would love to see a rail fusion. It would be like a rail gun. It would be like a rail gun in Quake where instead of it charging up, boom. Boom. That's how fusion rifles work now, right? The charge is on the front end. Boom. It reverse that and you have a rail gun. Boom. Boom. So your your shot is immediate and freaking powerful. And then there's that waiting period, that charge up time. A rail fusion would be amazing. Trace rifles. Where are trace rifles? Why are why are you adding SMGs and sidearms to a game that's dominated by PVE, right? Those guns are so just boring and not great in PVE. Who cares about sidearms and who cares about uh, SMGs and PVE? Like, give me give me tr- legendary trace rifles. There's so much you could do with trace rifles because it's sustained damage. You're holding the button down. You know what I mean? A legendary trace rifle that has a unique perk where with enough sustained damage it creates a napalm explosion. It puts damage over time around the surrounding enemies. It puts fire on the ground. Oh my gosh. 
Well, that sounds like an exotic. No, 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 no. It's a unique perk, and you got to grind for it or whatever. Th- th- there's a lot of potential with trace rifles, uh, and there's a lot of potential with, you know, like a rail fusion. Now, again, if you look at primary weapons, scouts are just always in a bad place because of the way they built Destiny 2 and the engagement distances and the agility of the enemies. Auto rifles and hand cannons just really, really meet the agility of the enemies. And then when you get into the end game uh, of the game of Destiny, you really, really, really want the hard hitting, you know, fast reloading hand cannons or, or pulses. It's really, really hard to use auto rifles and scouts in the end game of Destiny 2. Number one, scouts have a couple of places where they do a really good job. You know, Shattered Throne and maybe a strike or two, but for the most part, scouts don't get a lot of footing because it's easier just to close the gap with a shotgun and a, and a, and a hand cannon. So some of this some of this is, is why I lean towards trace rifles and a rail fusion because that embraces a distance engagement length that we currently don't engage at. So it would passively push the player kind of back. Like, well, if I'm going to use this, I'm going to engage at a further distance. Like, a kinetic trace rifle would be dope because it would give you that distance engagement, but it would keep up with the agility and how, you know, just how fast the enemies tend to move and, and like, leave your line of sight. That's one of the reasons why hand cannons are so nice because you just, you can keep up with their agility. You know, scouts are hard. Scouts, you really, really commit, and if you miss one or two shots and they get behind, then a lot of your clip is gone. You need to reload, you know, your your DPS rhythm isn't as good because it just it just doesn't do as well. No. Titan twenty three Z. Do you think them adding pinnacle weapons for any uh, any player with Forsaken will bring black tier pinnacle weapons for only annual pass owners? Well, I mean, the pinnacle weapons they're adding don't cost money. They're coming with the season, right? So. If you think about it, the the season's dropping today, and people that own Destiny can go after those three pinnacle weapons. Well, they have to own Forsaken for the one, because they got to play Gambit. I think they have to own Forsaken. They probably have to own Forsaken for all of them, don't they? I would think. Um, they got to own Forsaken for all of them. But I don't think you need to own the annual pass to get them. I think those pinnacle weapons are basically part of the current system. The current system we're in right now. You got to have Destiny and then all DLC up to Forsaken. I'm getting like a flicker every now and then, and I'm wondering if it's just because we're in the Infinite Forest. I haven't been getting that at all today. Some of the some of the objects here might be acting funky and artifacting. I know sometimes the hunter cloak does that and there's yeah and you they might it might be their cloaks i'm getting a weird like black flicker periodically it could just be the infinite forest it has not uh happened yo it's good wtf game nation uh alpha with another question what are your expectations for black armory content wise uh i already answered that try not to ask the same questions over and over guys if you get a response from nightbot don't keep shoving the question in uh what do you think they'll add uh, or did I read that question twice? No, yeah, you definitely submitted the question twice. Try not to do that. Wiggity Whack, do you think they'll add a quest for Lunas in the Quick Play playlist like they did for the Redricks? No idea. 
I don't think so, because as far as I know, you can keep going for the quest for Lunas. Uh, your progress on the quest does not reset, but your glory rank does. Uh, so, you're not going to be able to go work on it in quick play, as far as they've communicated. The quest stays, and your only thing that resets is your glory rank. Your actual quest progression doesn't reset. That communicates to me the quest is staying the same. Next question from used. Um, how will this DLC be received by the community if it is solely weapon-based? Not much story content, but an introduction of new archetypes. Like I said during my talk, it's a bit of an experiment. Honestly, it's an experiment. The demand of the players and the delivery of content has been a four-year experiment. Bungie has learned valuable lessons. They learned that deliverables like the Dark Below don't work very well, neither does House of Wolves. Deliverables like Forsaken and the Taken King and Rise of Iron tend to do quite a bit better. And they have thought about how do we get from point A to point B, right? If point A is the vanilla release... And point B is the first $40 DLC. How do we get from point A to point B? What do we fill the game with in the interim? And I don't think anybody has the answer to this question, by the way, because the deliverable and the player engagement level for Destiny is unique. It's unique. There's there's no book. There's no business strategy written somewhere. There's no blog or video that's like, Here's how you maintain a player base this size and a demand this this ferocious. There just isn't. And a lot of people would say, well, there is, and it exists on PC in games like World of Warcraft with a subscription fee. And I would say, yeah, and the annual pass is Bungie's sort of treading out into the waters of seeing if they can slowly boil the frog. And they can slowly get the console player bases to accept a subscription-style format, right? If you try to throw a frog in a boiling water, he's going to jump right out. If you slowly boil the frog, he doesn't realize that he's boiling, and he slowly just, you know, gets boiled. That's That's kind of a grotesque analogy, but I feel like that's what's happening. They're saying, listen, we have to get to a point where people are essentially paying a subscription fee but if we come out and we call it a subscription fee people aren't aren't gonna aren't gonna like that so how do we you know how do we get to that point well we get to that point by saying let's introduce a new monetization structure that's what the annual pass is it's a new monetization structure And I think that's why maybe they're gun-shy with marketing. They don't know how to market this. Bungie knows they they have shown the way. They have shown other companies, this is how you get people excited about content. This is how you get people to pre-order content. they've, They've done it handedly for years now with Destiny. We lose our minds when they show these cinematics. We go nuts when they show us weapons and other things. We're like, oh my gosh, look at all this amazing stuff. We lose it, and then we pre-order, and we get really excited, and we play the content. It's just the depth of the content has been, you know, pretty consistently disappointing. That's where things tend to fall flat, and so that's why I think maybe they're gun-shy about marketing it, because, like, we have no idea how to market this. 
This isn't Curse of Osiris. This isn't Warmind. This isn't this isn't uh, anything we've done before. So it, it 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 could be what I theorized, and it could just be that maybe they're like, look, we we've got to kind of let this simmer. We've got to let people get a taste. People are going to get a taste. They're going to get these annual pass. Um, you know, players in the mix, and these guys are going to go chase these these pinnacle weapons from the season that are free, but these other guys are going to get black armory weapons, and people are going to really, really want the black armory, you know? You ever think about that? Do you ever think about the fact that they're really pushing the annual pass, um, well, I'm sorry, not the annual pass, they're really pushing the pinnacle weapons because they want people to be like, oh, I'm going to log in for free and play. And then people log in for free and play because they're chasing those pinnacle weapons and then dangling in front of them is all this stuff talking about, you know, the black armory and the cool black armory weapons you can get. And they're like, oh, well, I kind of got a taste and I was grinding and I got, you know, I got the job done and I got these cool pinnacle weapons. I want that stuff now. That could be the strategy too. I don't know. Uh, Bowers. Taking a wild guess, what type of raid layer content are you thinking we'll see in Black Armory? Uh, are you hoping for it to be? Sorry if I went over this yesterday, I missed it. I just don't generally speculate or or think through like what I want to see. Just because it's just, especially with this, how do you even predict what they're going to give us? How do you even predict it? Like, well, it's going to be, like, could you predict? I couldn't have predicted Eater of Worlds. I couldn't have predicted a Vex boss. I couldn't have predicted the size and scope of the raid layer. I had no idea what to expect. There was no way anybody was going to predict Spire of Stars. Spire of Stars was great. Spire was amazing. But I I think think people, you know, look at Black Armory and they scratch their head a little bit because both Spire of Stars and Eater of Worlds were attached to actual DLCs and that's not what this is. So if we look at all the bosses that we've gotten, right? Leviathan was Cabal, Eater of Worlds was Vex, uh, Spire was a return to Cabal, and then Last Wish is... I I don't even know what to call it. I mean, it's basically Hive Taken-esque. So this one could be a Fallen, you know, we haven't really, have we ever had a Fallen? Yeah, we had a Fallen Raid, Wrath of the Machine, but it was, it was Siva, so it was a little bit different. Um, it was a little bit different. So, it's hard to make a prediction. I could see them going, I could see them going to a Fallen, uh, you know, a Fallen format. Because Taken always has a bit of a hive feel to it, right? There's this big giant dragon. You know, even though it's Taken, it feels hive. So I guess you guys are right. It's not hive. It always makes me think of hive because of Oryx, right? Oryx was clearly hive. Um, and the Dreadnought had a very hive feel to it. So it's, you know, it's Taken. So it could be hive. You know, it could be hive. I honestly don't know. You know, it's called Season of the Forge. And if we think about the Forge. Uh, that we've already kind of dealt with that is Vex in theme it could be Vex, you know, Eater of Worlds was Vex, I don't know it's just so hard to make predictions about stuff like this it could go any direction uh, Paragon Nate Lono, I found you on YouTube, love your outlook on the game for the most part, but I don't agree that the Thunderlord is the best exotic in the game I do agree it's top tier, but it's good to give lower people something that is powerful 
Well, uh, this isn't. This obviously isn't a question, but it's okay. I, you know, disagreeing with me is is obviously welcome. There are people that disagree with me on this. Um, it's kind of undeniable, uh, just with sheer math and numbers of what Thunderlord can do. Thunderlord is, in fact, the the if if not the strongest, one of the strongest powerful exotics in the game with respect to how good it can be against bosses now it has another thing in its corner though it's very very versatile very very versatile it's wonderful for ad management and it's ammo capacity and it's ammo economy is wonderful in comparison to other heavies like think about how great the 1k voices is but out of the box it doesn't even have enough for a, a reserve mag it has it has four and then three on reserve unless you run a piece of armor to take it to four and four a total of eight. You run the freaking Thunderlord. I feel like I feel like yeah you can't kill yourself using it like you can with sleeper or rockets or the one K voices right. I it, it's got a lot in its corner. It's great and I just think you know the the issue you're taking is when I said they should have put more of a grind for it. I. I I don't know why you would look at that that structure, right? That structure for how we got the Thunderlord, I find it really hard for anybody at any engagement level to look at that and say, yeah, that was an acceptable amount of time for one of the best, if not the best exotic in the game right now. It just seemed extremely easy. Um, and again, my issue with it is that you're setting expectations there a little bit and it undercut it really really undercut think about it like this think about it like this it undercuts the structure of loot incentive in the game because of problems that already exist so I don't think it would be that big of a deal nobody would really care if the last wish raid had something to the degree of the Fatebringer. Now, I'm not talking about having the role of a Fatebringer. Well, get a Nation of Beasts curated, Lono. No, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is something that is at the level of incentive, at the level of excitement as the Fatebringer. The way people clamored to get a Fatebringer, the way people grinded to get a Fatebringer, nothing like that exists in the Last Wish raid. So then you come along after the end game kind of rears its head in Forsaken to be somewhat scant with respect to end game incentivization. Like there's not a lot to chase. Most of the guns in the Last Wish raid are as good as existing guns you can get or outmatched personally. You know, you get a good midnight coup and you don't need anything from the raid in the kinetic slot, honestly. You just don't. Uh, all it has is the 1K, right? Well, the 1K Voices gets unseated by the Thunderlord for a lot of people, (laughs) you know, and 1K had a stupidly low drop rate and only showed up in, only showed up in the, the Riven Throne Room, so you couldn't even go in and, like, farm the lower, you know, the lower engagements in the raid and try and get it, and so... The only thing in the raid really worth chasing has its match. It has its equal in the Thunderlord, and the Thunderlord was a free gun, basically. Don't you see how that undercuts endgame incentivization? It's like, go run the raid. Why? There's great guns in there. Well, not really. 
not even the curated rolls aren't better than anything I can really get out here. The bygones is about as good as a chattering, a good roll in a bygones. I have my midnight coup, I can infuse that up. I have my better devils with a great roll. I don't need any of your kinetic weapons. Well, what about the energy weapons? Well, the Ikalos shotgun and the Badland are pretty much a go-to energy weapon, so the, the, the Nation of Beasts and the age-old bond just kind of get left alone primary sniper really who's going to use a kinetic sniper nobody really techian force techian force is a fusion rifle and fusion rifles suck so there's like nothing in there really worth chasing and then along comes the thunder lord and it's like yeah just go to the tower do a couple lost sectors and you get one of the best weapons in the game that undercuts end game incentivization if you could walk into the last wish raid and get a gun that had a unique perk a perk you can't get anywhere else like, I don't know, Magnificent Howl, right? Like, if you could go in there and get Chattering Bone, and it had a, it had, at the very least, the Chattering Bone should be able to get, like, Desperado on it or something, right? A unique perk, can't get it anywhere else. Well, yeah, your Thunderlord's really cool, but a gun that I use about 70% of the time, because it's my kinetic weapon, is amazing. I got this great roll from the raid, it's got this really cool perk on it, can't get anywhere else. This really cool raid shotgun or fusion rifle actually is stronger than the Ikalos shotgun. Why? Because that's how you motivate people to run endgame content. It's just really lopsided. It's super lopsided. So suddenly, that'd be like, imagine the imagine the Galahorn not... It wasn't in the game yet, right? And you've been grinding, 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 and uh, this is like during Taken King, right? Thank you, Baker's Coco, for two months of subs. Welcome back. And Bullfrogs did a 10-month sub a little bit ago. Thank you so much, Bullfrogs. Whenever we ran King's Fall, a lot of people became aware of the idea that none of the primary guns were that impressive, and you could go get a hung jury, a god roll hung jury from Dead Orbit that was basically better than all of the primaries in the King's Fall raid, Right? That hurt the loot incentive. People started running the King's Fall raid just to hit max light, not for the loot. I think that's a, that's a tragedy, given how great that raid is to have the loot be that freaking poor, um, and that you know that's disappointing. So, a similar thing is going on now. You can get primary weapons, and you can get weapons that are better than or as good as the weapons in the Last Wish raid, and then in comes the Thunderlord. So imagine during the era of the King's Fall when we all discovered that there wasn't a whole lot of loot worth chasing in King's Fall, and all of a sudden Bungie shows up and says, don't worry, you guys want more powerful weapons? Here's a powerful weapon that like everybody gets for free in the in the tower. People have been like, what? People people like rip their shirts in half over the fact that people could hit Max Light easier with the April update, because that was their only trophy from King's Fall Raid. How do you think people would have felt if they did what they did with the Thunderlord? Look, I'm not losing my mind over it. I don't want to die on this hill. But it exacerbates an existing problem. If you go into the raid and you feel like there's not really anything worth chasing inside of the Last Wish raid, that problem gets compounded and made worse when you're like, well, the Thunderlord's basically as good as the 1K voices. <laughs> Don't you see what I'm saying? No. 7 Ninja 7. Uh, why is it wrong for a grenade launcher to one shot when primarily most people use shotguns? For the most, to get their kills, the grenade launcher is fair to people that don't want to fall into that route. Okay, here's the issue with grenade launchers. I feel like you're kind of falsely summarizing people's issue with grenade launchers. I don't think people are saying grenade launchers shouldn't be able to one-shot. Uh, if people are saying that, maybe they're saying that because of the fighting lion, 
uh, or maybe they're saying that because of the, the the kinetic one you can get from the Nightfall, right? If used properly, maybe they can one-shot. I don't know. I've not actually tested it myself. But shotguns can one-shot, and shotguns require risk. You have to push through choke points. You have to get close to the enemy. There's risk-reward, and it's somewhat in balance. If you're playing against a lot of people who are using shotguns, you are going to take the risk every time you attempt to use your own shotgun. So, given that reality, there's a, there's like a check there's like a natural sort of check and balance for shotguns. Grenade launchers offer ease of use. They're spammable. You shoot them from far away. Power ammo presence is a little bit high, so I think people naturally feel like they get killed by them more often than they should, and that creates a perception problem. Even though most of the game, maybe they're dying to shotguns and hand cannons, it doesn't matter. If the, if throughout that game, the perception is that they're getting killed by, you know, the, the grenade launchers too often... They look at that announcement about the Pinnacle Grenade Launcher and they're like, yay, more of the same. There's also ease of use with the Grenade Launcher. You don't have to get close. The new one, by the way, has the Micro Missile perk, which enables you to shoot it on a straight line, and you don't even have to hit the player with it. You can hit the ground next to them, which encourages spamming. Oh, I don't have to hit them? I'll just shoot at the ground next to them. Grenade launchers have a risk you can kill yourself with them. I mean, that's a risk for an idiot, though. The risk for shotguns is greater and more prevalent. Oh, you can kill yourself with a rocket launcher, too. That doesn't mean that that's keeping... That's not a natural check and balance to the power of a rocket launcher. Rocket launchers are strong regardless of whether or not you can kill yourself. So, six months from Tan Man. Thank you so much for half a year of support, dude. Welcome back. That's a purple badge for you. We might get bumped here and have to go to an intermission screen. Uh, we might not have gameplay for a little bit. Logic Love. Forsaken was an incredibly amazing DLC. Even so, it didn't attract people who already were burned by the game. Do you think Black Armory can bring them back? Also, uh, what do you think the most urgent issue the Black Armory needs to address? Okay, so the Black Armory is not designed for people who are burned and not playing. If you're burned and... If you're burned and not playing, then I don't think the Black Armory is designed to, like, bring you back. Right? The Black Armory is designed for folks... is designed for folks that... that haven't been playing, like, maybe for a little bit. Or maybe they've been playing, or they're... You know, they're kind of reaching the end point. They're taking a break. If you if you completely stopped playing and Forsaken really didn't do it for you, then I would say that the Black Armory isn't really designed to bring you back. That's not its purpose. Its purpose is to feed the people who are consistently playing or want to consistently play. So if you got burned by the game and if... if if Forsaken, as you say, if Forsaken didn't attract people burned by the game, Black Armory's not built for them. If Forsaken didn't pull you in, if the promise of, 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 of random roles and the promise of, 
of grind and the promise of you know new and exciting places to go if that storyline if all those barons and all that wasn't attractive to you then there's no way the black armory is going to be attractive to you there's just no way that's like I, I can't even think of a good comparison you're at you're saying oh people weren't attracted to something that was at a level 10 are they going to be attracted by something at a level 2 because the the size of the black armory is just way 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 smaller like automatically smaller uh mac 2099 i know dual wielding has been asked about before but what if they only allowed subs and sidearms to be dual wielded and you could use one of each um and have them both be the same i'm thinking halo energy pistol and smg combo i mean you could definitely you could definitely bring a dual wield presence to those weapons. I don't know if that would fix them. Now, if I could dual wield sidearms or SMGs, that might do enough damage to replace the barrel stuffing nature of a high rate of fire shotgun. You know, it. I. I just. I don't know. I don't know if 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 that's even in the in the the purview of Destiny. That might feel a little silly when we think about how Destiny really functions. Uh, Ali Arso, we're not able to get back in right now, and if you're wondering why I got to my screen so fast, it's mainly probably because uh, my new my new gaming rig is, is built for speed. Uh, it's built for speed. SSD, hard drives, and it's a monster. So we're probably going to get really fast load times. Um, but there's obviously maintenance is going to be touch and go for now. Uh, at Hun with 13 months. Don't mind the grind, but I have two characters at 600 and one at 599, and I have no Forsaken exotics yet. To be fair, I've gotten a number of weapons. Yeah, the exotics are, are, are kind of in a weird spot, admittedly. I will admit that. They probably need to have that patch go a little bit better. Uh, on on topic with your, with your sub message, At Hun, thanks for 13 months. Do you think exotics should be on a knockout system? That's kind of supposed to be what the patch is doing. That's what the patch is supposed to be doing. Oh, apparently the patch notes are live. Um, I suppose we could read them inside of this uh, this conversation that we're having. Um, I suppose we could read them in... You're just going to hear a little bit of an echo there. Did Bungie tweet them or did Bungie help tweet the patch notes? Let's see if we can find. I know you guys have put it in chat, but I, I, I'm i on my gaming rig when I try and pull stuff like this up. Um, I don't know if they put them right on the front page of Bungie.net. It doesn't look like they do. No patch notes yet. Yeah, but Milo. Oh, Reddit has a link to it. Doesn't look like it. Uh, it doesn't look like it. I'm not seeing any patch notes. Can see a link on Reddit. Oh, they're there. Okay, do me a favor and. Uh, I'm going to try, if somebody could put it in chat again, I can click from here with my own stream up. There we go. Thank you. 
Alright, let's read this. This is just going to be part of the podcast, okay? Destiny 2 update 210. Uh, 210. Uh, Chaos Reach. Fix an issue in which having multiple Chaos Reach beams active at one time cause their visual effects to merge together. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Fix an issue to allow Chaos Reach beams to penetrate friendly banner shields. Fix an issue in which Chaos Reach did not damage taken blights. Notice... Uh, change to Chaos Reach cancellation will come with Destiny 2.1.1 scheduled for December the 4th. So the whole thing where like you're supposed to be able to pull up Chaos Reach and then stop it and retain some of your super, that's not happening until the next update on December the 4th. Alpha with two months, you're one of the best content creators on Twitch, keep it up bud, thank you very much. Uh, Nova Warp, fix an issue in which Nova Warp would sometimes fail to detonate on release. Sentinel, fix an issue in which Sentinel shields and Banner shields would lose energy when guarding near friendly uh, detonations. Spectral Blades, return the Spectral Blade super to increase uh, return to the Spectral Blade Super to increase the reliability of melee attacks in PvP and to bolster the effectiveness of the Super Stealth capabilities. More information here in this week at Bungie. Uh, Harpua20 with four months of subs. Welcome back. Burning Maul. Decreased camera shake and screen flash on hit in an attempt to alleviate feelings of motion sickness when using the Burning Maul. Thundercrash. Adjusted camera during flight sequence in an attempt to alleviate feelings of motion sickness during Thundercrash. Okay. Keep it the great channel. Thank you, OP Mark, for four months of subs. Welcome back. Thank you for using your Twitch Prime sub here. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out today. If you've been enjoying the content and this podcast-style format and question answer, be sure to click follow. Click that heart button. That is a free way to support what I do every single day. Thank you for being here and supporting with subs, tips, and uh, and all of your support and great questions and great back and forth. Even when you disagree with me, it's been great discussion today. Uh, exotic Armor. Fix an issue in which Ophidian Aspect was not increasing the melee range on various Warlock uh, charged melees. Fix an issue in which buffs granted by Luna Faction Boots would only last 15 seconds uh, inside Well of Radiance rather than the entire duration. Fix an issue on Ursa Furiosa so that the super gain from guarding is more consistent between PvE and PvP. Warden's Law! Replaced perks on Warden's Law that did not function properly with the weapon's archetype. Triple Tap were replaced by Feeding Frenzy. Four times a charm is replaced with Zen Moment. Boo! Boo! <laughs> That's a bummer, man! I was telling you guys, I was like, if four times a charm and Triple Tap are, are patched properly, this gun could be crazy! That's a freaking joke, man! That's a joke. Well, I'm glad I got my outlaw kill clip. Warden's Law now has bullet contrails. Update the intrinsic perk text on Warden's Law to distinguish it from aggressive burst sidearms. Um, so they didn't fix Warden's Law. They freaking punted. That's dumb. So the curated role will then roll with Zen Moment. The curated role of Warden's Law will now have Zen Moment instead of fourth times a charm. That's, a, that's not even a good curated role. High impact scout rifles. High impact scout rifle damage increased by 1.87. See, this is why they don't like to put numbers. That seems low, right? Dev commentary. Previously, it was possible to, at very high resilience levels, survive three headshots from a high impact scout rifle. This change will ensure that players at any resilience level will be defeated by three headshots. See, they're explaining why that why that's there. Uh, a fix that will return high impact scout rifles to 150 is planned for the 12 the December 4th patch. Shotguns. Rapid fire frame on shotguns now increases the reload of all shotgun shells when empty instead of on the first shell. Trench barrel. Trench barrel perk now deactivates after three shots. Trench barrel description updated to reflect new behavior and also to fix an error where it called out increased accuracy 
uh, instead of increased reload speed. There you go. They nerfed Trench Barrel. I didn't want them to nerf Trench Barrel. I wanted them to nerf high rate of fire shotguns. High rate of fire shotguns. This is not the right solution. Listen, I called for adjustments to be made to Icolos Shotgun. This is not the right move. This isn't the right move, man. They should have said high rate of fire shotguns do less damage to bosses. They do less damage to bosses. I knew this was coming. I knew they were going to address EP shotgun. I don't think this is the right approach, personally. I'll make a video about it. I think they should have just said less damage to bosses. It would, still would have been a great gun. Trench barrel against mini bosses, majors, shield busting, etc. Still would have been a great weapon. Uh, submachine guns. Slightly increased range on submachine guns. Machine guns slightly increased accuracy on machine guns. That's plural. That means, obviously, there's going to be probably a lot of machine guns in Black Armory. That's exciting. At least a couple. I mean, if they're doing that, it's not... Thunderlord doesn't need any help for frick's sake, so... Exotic weapons. Prometheus lens. Damage increased by 10%. That's a lot. Hard light. Fix an issue where hard light could over-penetrate an enemy's banner shield. Ace of spades. Memento Mori reduced to 5 bullets. Uh, but can now be refreshed on reload without having to get rid of all the bonus damage bullets. That's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting pivot right there. Uh, general, general fixed mantle animation for the Queen Breaker. Fix an issue where some particle effects were appearing in first-person view when using 1,000 voices. Fix an issue where bows would sometimes become invisible when equipped. Polished the blade barrage animation for when the player is holding a bow. Buffed out a missed spot on the refer a friend borealis ornament. Fix an issue that would delay the knocking of an arrow when the player picked up ammo when the bow. Uh, was both stowed and out of ammo. Fix an issue where the Headseeker perk would no longer function after being activated numerous times without dying. Fix an issue where the Icolos hand cannon and shotgun were displaying icons for Malfeasance and Chaperone in the obituary. That's the kill feed. Uh, fixed uh, polished grenade launcher strafing animations to remove up and down reticle veering. Polished grenade launcher animations while jumping to prevent stocks from blocking the first person camera. Gotta get those grenade launchers to look better and work better. Uh, season of the grenade launcher on the horizon. Polished sniper rifle and machine gun animations while jumping to prevent stocks from blocking the first person camera. Fix an animation issue that would occur when firing and walking with a machine gun. Polished tractor cannon sprint animation to feel more natural. Um, yo, what's good, Dylan? Uh, fix an issue where swords dropped with mods intended for rocket launchers, and rocket launchers drop with mods intended for swords. <laughs> I've never seen that, or at least I didn't catch it if it happened. Rabbit hit now displays status effect. See, I I wanted this. This is a good one. Remember when I said I was like, I don't even know when rapid rapid hits working. Um. So now you're going to get rapid hit to proc. I've got a trust with rapid hit, and I like using it, but I like being able to know when it's procing. That's a good change. Uh, sniper rifle precision kills will stack the perk twice. This will be fixed in a later patch. Okay. Um, uh, did it, did it, did it. Yeah, Milo just mentioned the rapid hit thing. Updated Oath Keeper's exotic perk to remove text for bow charge speed. Uh, happy birthday. Happy belated birthday, by the way, Dylan. Can we get some happy birthday hype in the chat for Dylan? Tireless blade perk description updated to match actual behavior where ammo was returned on every other power powered sword kill. Fix an issue where the momentum transfer perk was not functioned properly. Oh, okay. Uh, Crucible modes. Mayhem will return as a 6v6 rotating playlist with the scoring support of the new Forsaken Supers. Uh, Lockdown 
and what does that say? Lockdown and Showdown will return as rotating playlists that have been added to private matches. Scorched and Team Scorched have been added to private matches. New Shaxx lines spread between Rumble, Lockdown, Showdown, and a few special medals. Uh, digital Concepts with four months of subs. Welcome back to the Rages. Thanks for using your Prime sub here. Uh... Single round modes, clash control, now end with match complete countdown similar to those displayed at the round completed in the round based modes. Added new crucible medals to be associated with the triumphs. Uh, thank you for gifting a sub to Dylan. Crucial, I appreciate that. Uh, da, 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 machine gun weapon archetype in the lockdown game mode. Added new, uh, two new gold tier medals, happy hunting, fix an issue where the cycle medal uh was not being tracked properly we got to go fast here iron banner now awards unique iron banner themed medals and audio cues iron banner uses unique match complete bonuses ranks valor and glory are now subdivided into three sub ranks similar to gambit that's a good change valor and glory have not subdivided the legend rank uh valor does not require players to win at legend okay please do that to gambit legend is terrible Legend is terrible. Please do that to Gambit. I, Legend is such misery. You only get points for winning. I, they need to make that change across the board. Reward players who get to Legend. Don't kick them in the nuts, please. Shax. Shax has a new rotation of items available for direct purchase. Players must earn Valor to collect these items. That's cool. Uh, a new set of seasonal items has been added to Shax's inventory. Previous season's exclusive items have been removed. New Pinnacle Weapon Quest has been added to Shax's inventory to allow players to make progress on any character. Each step features uh, account-wide objectives. This quest requires two types of objectives to be completed. Reach a specific rank and complete a specific triumph. Players can uh, complete these objectives in any order. Previous Pinnacle Weapon quests continue to be available on Shack. Gambit. Ranks. Adjusted Infamy rank rewards to better match Valor and Glory. Subdivision rankups will now always award Gambit Legendary Gear. Subdivision rankups will now always award Gambit Legendary Gear. That's great. Uh, I would actually like it if they just did it at the end of every game, given random roles and the nature of the, like, not like, not real, you know, not getting the, um, what was it? I didn't get the the shotgun for like two resets. Infamy rank rewards from all Gambit bounties have been doubled. Many bounties have had their objectives returned to take less and easier to complete. Added a new daily bounty for killing primeval envoys and slotted into daily rotation. That's good. Motivate people to kill envoys since nobody's freaking doing that because melting is silly. Uh, fix an issue where the Malfeasance quest could be progressed in Crucible modes. Uh, once Season 5 begins and Infamy is reset, you must play one Gambit match before redeeming any bounties. Player who turn in these bounties after Season of the Fourth begins uh, before playing a match will not correctly receive points. So play one match if you're saving bounties like I was. Primeval Mechanics. Catch-up mechanics have been adjusted to ensure that the leading team retains more of an advantage. The trailing team will now receive a maximum of only one bonus stack of Primeval Slayer buff. Previously, they received up to three, depending on how far the trailing team was. The tie before... Excuse me. The time before the bonus stack kicks in has been increased to 32 seconds up from 22 seconds. Primevals will hard ping less often to reduce stun lock against highly coordinated teams. Um, okay. Matchmaking. Further addressing error codes. Okay. Clans. Last Wish Raid bounties are now available to anyone who has access to the Last Wish Raid. Uh, does not require Clan Rank 4. A new season of uh, protection. Oh, the, the vid doc's out. Uh, items and economy. Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> 